Jason's a little bit emotional this morning. <laughs> uh, my son's. If you <laughs> if you look on a chair near you, there's a list of verses. I know it's lengthy, <laughs> but uh, if you're brave, you can tackle it. Uh, we, if you haven't been with us, we do memory verses for every series, and we're starting a series in John today. And so all these verses are from the book of John. But if you'll notice, it's lengthy because there's about one verse to memorize for every two weeks, which tells you how long the series is. Um, so uh, I would do that only because it, it is going to increase your faith. It's going to uh, encourage your heart in the Lord and all of that stuff. It's just going to you know, have the word in, in, in your head is really something that does something to you. It's a, it is a powerful thing, which we're going to talk about this morning. But I think it's also a great way to have the Word uh, available to yourself so that you can tell other people about Christ very easily. You know, like, remember Penn said, you know, from Penn and Teller, he said, why would, you know, he's not a Christian. He was like, why wouldn't you tell me about Jesus if you're a Christian? If you have the answer to life, why wouldn't you share it with me, right? And that's what we want to do. We want to share it really well with people and we want to uh, love people into Christ really well. So uh, take that home, stick it on your little refrigerator, get a little magnet. There's some magnets back in the back, little six, eight magnets if you want one. Take a whole handful if you like, hand them out to other people, I don't care. Um, we have like bajillions of them. And so anyway, but over the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at various portions of Jesus in the book of John, right? I just thought it was time we just like focused on Jesus for a whole series. Uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke are the synoptic Gospels, which means basically to see together. They're very similar, although they're written from different perspectives. Uh, John's Gospel kind of stands alone in the sense that, you know, where they describe events, John takes us a little bit deeper in, in, in answering the questions of why. He was on the inner circle with Jesus, a little bit closer than the rest, and, you know, in, in his intimacy with Jesus. So that all kind of comes out in his writing, and so it's kind of an, a cool book. Um, but before we look at this passage, I want to say, let's remember that words are important, right? Words are very, very important. Um, if I started the quote, I have a dream, who said that? Martin Luther King. Everybody knows that, right? Um, I think that's how he started that speech, right? If I'm not mistaken, uh, or at least in, in that, that one speech. But, uh, but shout out if you know these. Here's, here's a few little quiz for you. Uh, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Amen. See, the Todd's going to know every single one of these things. You should sit in the back. <laughs> no. uh, ask not what you can do for your country or what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Who? JFK, right? God is dead and we have killed him. Yeah, Frederick Nietzsche. Friedrich Nietzsche, I should say, I guess. Uh, this one, uh, maybe you will or won't know this. You must be the change you want to see in the world. Gandhi, that's right. Now, this one's a little harder. I think maybe only one, or Todd, one other person <laughs> might get this. It says, our constitution was made only for a moral religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. Who? No. Todd? John Adams. John Adams, second president. Only a virtuous people are capable of freedom. Ben Franklin. That's right. Old Benji. Um, here's, a, here's a good one. Ending a sentence with a preposition is something up with will I not, with I will not put. 
Churchill, that's right. I don't know who said that. Now here, this only Todd will get this one. Ready? The answer to life's questions are not at the bottom of a bottle. They're on TV. Homer Simpson. Todd, come on. Goodness. I, Todd would always send me quotes from, from uh, The Simpsons. Uh, <laughs> I, was, I was banking on you, dude. I, had, I just lost 50 bucks, I think. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But words are important. Words define who we are. They reveal who we are, right? They can't be separated from us. When we say somebody's quote, you know who they are, right? You know where it came from. They reflect what we think and feel uh, about life and life and all that stuff. Words are thoughts. And remember, we said that thoughts are the defining factor of unity. Uh, Words originate from within us. They are a part of us. Um, We are are our words, right? It's, It's why they're so important. Um, turn to page 723 in your church Bible to John chapter 1. A little lengthy, so stay with me as I read this this morning. But uh, John here uses the concept of word to describe Jesus. And the word he uses uh, is translated from the Greek uh, logos. I, I use logos. Somebody else might say logos. Don't write me emails that I mispronounced it. I'm just going to say logos, and you're going to have to deal with it. Uh, by the way, I'll just say right now, later on, I'm going to say another word in Hebrew, and I'm just going to pronounce it. I have no idea if I'm doing it right. Don't write me that email either. But um, So every time you see the word word, think of logos, right? So it begins, verse 1, in the beginning was the word, the logos, right? And the word was, uh, the word was with God, and the word was God. He, now we see right there that the, the word is a person, right? He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all my, mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. That's John the Baptist, by the way. Uh, The true light that that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. um, And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed his name, in his name, right? He gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. I think it's the wife's will too. Look, just a little side note. 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John, John the Baptist, testified testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He comes after me, who has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out Out of his fullness... We have all received grace in place of grace already given, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. End. Verse 18. Close scene. All right? (laughs) I am in a mood this morning. Anyway, but... John, John speaks here with very loaded language. You may not know that just by reading it. 
but he's speaking to Jews and the Greeks, and he's speaking with very loaded language. Um, firstly, let's consider the Jewish mind and how they would hear this, what they would, what they would experience. When Jewish scholars in Alexandria, Egypt, translated the Hebrew Old Testament scriptures into Greek, they utilized the Greek word logos to translate the Hebrew word dabar. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Hebrews saw uh, the word of God uh, not as merely words, right, but as powerful, effectual means of accomplishing God's purpose in the world. By his word, according to the Jews, uh, by his word, God spoke the world into existence, right? That's power. God communicated his word directly to to people, right? Especially in the law and the prophets. The the wise person is the one who lives in accordance with the word of God. To follow God means obedience to his word since his word is himself. You can't separate them, right? To them, God's word is perfect. It's powerful. It's directive. It's good. It has creative and healing power, right? So to Jews, the word of God was inseparable from God. It was one and the same. For them, words were extremely important. So to equate Jesus to the Debar, the the word of God, is to equate Jesus to God himself, which would be an extremely hard pill for any Jew to swallow of the day. If it were not true, then it would be outright blasphemy. It would be a very, very difficult statement to make. Um. There may not be clearer statements of Jesus' divinity than this we see in John chapter 1. Um, secondly, if we consider the Greek mind, the, a Greek person hearing this passage during that time when it was written, the Greek word logos didn't refer to a person at all. It was an abstract com- concept. That's all it was. In early Greek thought, there was no concept of some personal God who created the world in, or- you know, in order and harmony at all. Um, it, at, at best, it was an, so, some sort of an abstract principle which ordered reality and, and kept it from becoming just sort of a blob of confusion, right? They'd call this abstract principle either, and I'll probably mispronounce this, uh, nous, I think, N-O-U-S, uh, which means mind or logos, the word, right? It's an impersonal philosophic principle. The logos wasn't at all considered uh, a personal being involved with the word, to, according to the Greeks, you know, um, it was an abstraction to account for the order ev- that is evident in the universe as they w- looked out on their world. And there was a duality in their thinking. We, all, we may have heard this before, but the material world and the spiritual world were kept very separate because the, the material world was considered imperfect and even evil. And, and so the spiritual world being perfect and wonderful could not mix. You know, we, we kind of have these concepts in our Christianity sometimes, which doesn't help us because it's, it's not really biblical in, in thinking. Um, Lagos was given great significance by Greek philosophers, right? Uh, there was one school called the Stoics, and the Stoics strongly emphasized the logos spermaticos, the seminal word, the rational principle which pervades all of reality, providing meaning and order and per- to, to people and to the universe and all that kind of stuff. The logos creates coherence and unity and provides an orderly pattern for existence, holding everything together, and that's what they believed. And you remember the Stoics, uh, f- whom Paul debated on Mars Hill, acts. Acts 19, right? 
think I got my chapter right. But in, in Acts, he, uh, they, they had a notion that all things were composed of an ultimate seminal fire, the logos spermaticus, right? Um, the seminal word was procreative power, the, the word that begets life and order and harmony for the universe. And, and they were the first people to say, everybody's got a spark of divinity in them. We think we made that up, but we didn't. Um, it came from way back then, right? And you remember... When Paul went there, he noticed an altar or a statue or something to an unknown God it had inscribed on it. And he took that and he proclaimed to them the knowable Logos, right? The knowable God, Jesus as God. That's what he told them. And by the time the Gospels were written, the notion of Logos was a loaded philosophical concept. It was a loaded idea. And uh, John drops like this theological bombshell on the philosophical playground, so to speak, by talking about Jesus, not as an impersonal sort of concept, right? But as the incarnation, the word become flesh, the the eternal logos, right? With a personality. And he doesn't obviously use the term in the same way the Greeks did. He infuses it with Jewish Christian meaning. So for John, the Logos is this intensely personal and radically different uh, thing from Greek philosophy. It didn't even match. The Logos as person, not as principle, right? And as Greek and Hebrew cultures collide and overlap, these concepts of word interacted. And it's in this setting that John describes Jesus as the Logos, the word, right? The word of God. And he didn't copy their concepts. He poured new meaning into this concept of the Logos. Now, in relation to, in relation to God, Jesus as Logos wasn't merely an angel or some created being or an agent of creation, which they may have thought. Uh, nor was he just another word from God, like just, you know, you know blah, blah, blah. He was God himself. That's what John's saying. In relation to humanity, Jesus, the Logos, wasn't an impersonal uh, principle of Stoicism, but he was a personal Savior who took on human flesh. That's pretty powerful. So Logos, the word becoming flesh and living among us, was in sharp, sharp contrast to Greek ideas. By depicting Jesus as this logos, John portrays him as the pre-existent creator of the universe with, with and identical to God, right? From this perspective of Jesus' divinity and his eternity, um, any view of Jesus as just a mere prophet or a teacher, or just a good guy, you know, would be absolutely impossible. You are confronted with something here, right? It's this concept, coupled with the grace of the gospel that we preach, um, which sets Christianity apart from all other religions. You know, in other New Testament texts, the Logos refers to Scripture, because Scripture, we believe, is God's Word, right? Especially in preaching the gospel, The preaching of the gospel brings order and meaning to lives that are shattered by sin. Brings freedom. Those who put faith in Jesus will be welcomed into the family of God. We believe that. So when we preach the gospel, we we preach power, 
right? We don't just throw out words at people. It's not just a conversation. That's why it's so important that you do memorize verses because there is power in, in saying those words. We preach Jesus who brings order and meaning to lives in this world. And as John says, Jesus is the light which shines in the darkness and the darkness cannot extinguish it. It cannot extinguish it. The word become human, taking on flesh and dwelling among us, walking around among us. And so in Jesus, God is revealed to us. It's a pretty powerful statement. John's saying that Jesus is the Logos which created the heavens and the earth. Everything was created by him. The transcendent power behind the universe. The ultimate reality of all things. The Alpha and the Omega. The the, the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Their alphabet was that important. So it was the thing that hemmed everything else in. The first and the final word. He was uncreated, which John the Baptist noticed and realized when he said, someone's coming after me who's far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Now, John was three months older than Jesus. He knew that, right? He's not stupid, but he grasped the eternal, uncreated nature of Jesus. In Jesus, God is personable. He is knowable. In Jesus, we meet God. John states the Logos isn't only with God, but is God, right? There may be some difficulty in saying the words uh, both with and in God, right? And, or, or both distinguished from God and identified with God. Christ the same as God the Father, yet we're able to distinguish him from the Father. One in being, two in person, Father and Son, one being distinguished in terms of personality and work and ministry they perform. In the first chapter of John, the idea of the Logos being with God is very significant. Greek language had three different terms for uh, our words for the English word that we translate with. The first is son, rendered in English as, as that, that prefix sin, you know, S-Y-N, found in words such as synchronize and uh, syncretism and, and synagogue, synagogue meaning that place that we go together with other people, right, to be in a group, to be gathered there with other people. And the second word was meta, And that meant alongside of or side by side. So if I was walking down the street with Kim, I would be meta Kim, right? Um, And a third word was was the word pros, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, found less frequently, but it is the part of another Greek Greek word prosopon or prosopon, which means face. And so this, this kind of witness is the most intimate of all types. John is saying that the Logos existed with God, cross God, face-to-face in a relationship of eternal intimacy. It's this kind of relationship Jews yearned, yearned to have with the Lord. That's what they wanted. The Logos enjoys this kind of intimate face-to-face relationship from all eternity with the Father, the Father and the Son in one relationship and in being, one in relationship and being. 
in the beginning of John's, John's gospel here, the concept of the Logos comes to climax as we read, the Word became flesh. God became flesh. And made His dwelling among us. That's a powerful comment. It's one that you have to wrestle with. If you're going to come to this church or any church and you're going to read the Scriptures, you've got to come to terms with that. We have seen His glory, it says. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father. He originated from. He, 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 he was, you know, came from, you know, from the Father full of grace and truth. I don't know how to describe it any better. But dwelling literally means to pitch His tent with us. Right? In the Old Testament... God dwelt with his, with his people by way of the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, and it was where Israel would go to meet with God. The New Testament tabernacle is the incarnate word, the logos, right, who embodies the truth of God himself. That's why we're called the tent of the tabernacle, the tabernacle of my body, which I told you last week I've grown bigger so that the Holy Spirit has more room, right, to run around in. Because we receive Christ in our hearts. We receive the Holy Spirit as a seal of, 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 our, of our relationship with Him. So the mind of God made flesh, right? Uh, coming to dwell us, with us in flesh and blood. The gospel of Jesus is a very physical gospel. It's not some ethereal spirituality out there. We go to Jesus to meet God. He's the tent of meeting. He is the manifestation of God's glory on earth. Now, getting away from all this terminology, because we typically don't do this stuff in, in 6-8 too much, like all this, you know, these different Greek words and junk like that. Uh, so if you, you're bored with it, by the way, probably won't happen too much. Um, but let's think about this, right? People have similar physical characteristics, right? Men and women have similar physical characteristics. And if you were to see a man from 500 yards away, you might say, that's Mike Thomas. But you may not be sure because he's so far away. From a distance, people all kind of look the same to some greater or lesser degree. But as they come closer, you start to recognize their features, their gait, you know, their hair color and all the physical attributes very clearly. And then when they speak, you know exactly who that person is because they are who they are by how they look and how they speak, what they say, their thoughts, their ideas. Speaking to Mike Thomas is very different than speaking to Jason Gwines. I'm much more eloquent, Right? No, I'm just kidding. But if you look at all the world's religions out there and all the pop spirituality the same way as we just talked about people, from afar they share characteristics. You know, you say, ah, you know, whatever. Some, some, there's some moral message, there's some God concept, there's a religious texts, there's prophets, there's teachers, etc., so on and so forth. There's, you know, spiritual gurus out there that we might walk, uh, listen to and follow and all that kind of stuff. And from a distance, they all look very similar, if not the same. But as you get closer and you actually read the texts and you actually listen to the prophets and the teachers you find a vastly different view of God expressed in each one, especially in how you reach or attain relationship with Him. 
God doesn't have multiple personalities. He doesn't. He doesn't have multiple personalities. He communicates himself in one way, just as I can only communicate myself in one way. I can't take on various personalities. It would either be impossible for me to do so, or I'd be crazy, and you guys would all commit me someplace. Likewise, it's impossible for God to do the same. Christianity says that Jesus is God. That's what John's saying. And others deny this, right? As a person, I have a set of beliefs. I have a set of a, a worldview. I have a system of thought. And, and that's my, 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 my word communicated in a one consistent way that reveals who I am as a person. And John proclaimed Jesus as God. Jesus said the same thing about himself, by the way. But in Islam, for instance, not to just pick on Islam, but, but in, I'm very familiar with Islam. But in Islam, Jesus is only a prophet. Only a prophet. He is nowhere near God in, in, in the theology of Islam. And the tactic of Islam is to discount our Christian scriptures, you know, all the words that, that we believe are God's word to us about who Jesus is by claiming that we have changed them. And you notice, change the words, change what? Change the person. Change the words, change the person. Any experience we have of God must be grounded in right thinking. I know that's not a popular term, but there is a right thinking. It has to be grounded in right thinking about who God is as he is found in the Bible. There and there alone. It is the steering wheel that with which you drive your car of life. Without it, you cannot drive the vehicle. You're going to crash. With it, you navigate very easily. If I instructed you to how to eat puffer fish and I said, just go home and grill it on the grill and you ate it, you would die, right? We all know that. Well, maybe you don't. You do, you do now. You would die. Because pufferfish has a very poisonous, toxic gland within the meat. And there's only one way to prepare pufferfish, right? Only certain chefs are, are licensed to, to prepare it, right? And so they all remove that toxin in the very same way. People may end up at a, at, at a restaurant by different routes to eat their puffer, puffer fish, but they all end up at the same restaurant with the one chef who is able to prepare it. And once they open the door of that restaurant, they all see and they all experience the very same thing and all eat puffer fish the same way or they would die. And what John is saying is that Jesus is the way that God has revealed himself to us. Him and him alone. We may have different life's journeys, no stories the same, right? Jews came through the journey of Judaism, understanding the concept of Lagos in their own way, but they walked through the door of the restaurant and they were confronted with Jesus. Bless you. Greeks... 
came from another avenue, understanding the Logos from their own philosophy, their own worldview, but they walked through the door and they met and they were confronted with Jesus as the same as the Jews were, right? Jesus is the only one that can remove that, that toxin of sin and, and we are nourished by him. Reconciliation with God's, God is only revealed in the person of Jesus Christ who embodies the Christian scriptures. You may begin life as a Muslim, but you have to end up back at the restaurant of the living word and you have to leave Islam behind to find God in Christ. You may have all these other spiritual thoughts that you thought were right yesterday, but when you're confronted with Jesus... You have to leave them behind and repent and come to faith in Christ. We come to Jesus, the living word, to find light in life. As he said, we must be reborn. You remember that, John chapter 3. We can't find God through any other religion or any other way when those religions say very different things about who God is. It's just a logical fact. Word and thought are extremely important, especially in our day and age. John is saying to us that Jesus is the one and only God. And those who reject Jesus reject God. And those who find Jesus find God. They find light and life. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4 says this, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the, or our fathers by the prophets, but in those last days, or these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, by Jesus, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. So God spoke many times, Many ways, but it has always been the same message since it's the same God speaking. He doesn't have multiple personalities, right? He doesn't suffer that disorder. God's not embodied in any other religious or spiritual thinking. They are not his words. They are not his words. God chose a people. Israel, right? He led and he prepared them throughout history, always pointing to this coming Messiah, which culminates in this one person, the living word, the one true God is revealed to us in Jesus Christ. As Hebrews 1, 3, and 4 say, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of, of his nature. And he upholds the universe by his word, the, the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to the angels as the name that he has, he, he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So Jesus claimed, came, came to proclaim himself as light and life and you know when he preached repentance people thought him a little strange when he healed and performed miracles they thought him to be a prophet sent by god speaking with power they thought he was amazing however when he claimed equality with god they thought he was crazy crazy 
He became the stumbling block at that moment when he made that claim. And that's what you have to wrestle with. That's what I have to wrestle with. Who or what is Jesus to you? And I don't just mean, mean for the person sitting here this morning that has never given their life to Christ. Yes, that's for you. That question's for you. But it's also for me. I'm a f- 53 this month. Amen. Uh, taking donations uh, for my future health care costs. No, <laughs> just kidding. But 53, I've been walking with Christ for, you know, 32 years. 32 years. And I still need to wrestle with who he is. I still need to understand who he is to me. I still need to think of him in these grand statements, not just some fuzzy, lovey guy that kind of helps me when I'm in trouble, but the governor of my life that is worthy of all my stuff, my junk at home, my kids, my wife, my money, my emotions, my convictions, my beliefs, my values, how I treat people, everything. He is worthy of every, all of that. Is he a good you know, teacher? Uh, is he a moralist? Is he a, a nice guy? Is he on par with Muhammad or Gandhi? Is he just a prophet? Do you only remember that one thing he said, love your neighbor as yourself and nothing else? Or is he what John and others say about him, including himself, that he claimed to be the living word of God, God incarnate, the one true God, the creator God, the light and life to humankind, right? The only one who can bring rebirth through, through uh, reconciliation with God to anybody on this earth. There is a right answer. There is a right answer. Don't be afraid to be sure of who Jesus is. Don't be afraid of right answers. It doesn't make you arrogant. It just means you've grasped it. You've got it. You understood it. And this is important because it, it, it is your life we're talking about. And if you're a Christian, it is important because it's your witness we're talking about. Because heaven's kind of like Juneau, Alaska. You can only get there by plane. It's only one way in and one way out <laughs> to Juneau, Alaska, and that's by plane. And there is only one way to the Father, to the God of this universe, and that is by the living word. Jesus Christ. We're going to pass the tithe boxes. We are a self-supporting ministry and we want to do that well. We want to do that out of gratitude. If you're visiting us, don't feel at all obligated to put stuff in there unless the Lord directs you to. But let me pray us out of this. Father, we thank you for who you are to us. We thank you that we have a God that didn't just throw a book over the wall. <laughs> he didn't just, you know, kind of give us some principles to live by and hope, hope we'll make it. He didn't say to us, measure up or you don't get in. You came into our world. You were born in a dirty stable to a couple of teenagers and you walked this earth and you struggled and you sweat blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. And you went to the cross and you were whipped 
You wore the crown of thorns. And you had a spear stuck in your side. And you sat in the grave. You laid in the grave, dead. And then on the third day, you rose again to conquer everything. We are so grateful for you. We are so grateful for who you are because you are a God who opened up the door for us to be reconciled with yourself by what you did for us and not what we did to measure up. We understand we could never measure up. We can never measure up. But you loved us enough to span the gap. And we thank you for that. Amen.